go well with what we're talking about this morning. Good morning. I'm glad to be here today. I hope that you're having a good week and enjoying the nice summer day or spring day today. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself there. But uh, I, I am glad to be here. And uh, we're going to be continuing with our series that we started a couple of weeks ago. So if you brought a Bible, um, I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 3. Put a finger there or a little piece of your bulletin. And then also get uh, Matthew chapter 20 ready. Because we're going we're gonna to read a pretty good section out of both of them today. We started talking a couple of weeks ago about this idea, grow. Because I don't know about you, but for me, I just kind of felt like I was in stagnation for a long time. And, and it wasn't just because I, we, you know, we were told we weren't supposed to do anything. It was just kind of a depressing time. And I, I, I don't feel like I grew maybe as much as I could have last year. Didn't take advantage of some of the opportunities that I had. And so I wanted to spend a few weeks talking about that, about how do, how, how do I grow? How do I become more like Jesus? And um, the theme, the, the verse that we, we, we pulled from to get where we're, what we're talking about in this series is out of Luke chapter 2, verse 52. When Jesus was a young man, Dr. Luke records many years later, and he writes back about when Jesus was a young man, and he said these were four things that Jesus focused on growing that I, I think typically we don't think Jesus maybe having to or needing to grow in. It's weird to think of God as having to grow in wisdom. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom, that he grew in stature, that he grew in, in, in favor with God and men. It's weird to think about Jesus in those, in those terms, that he actually had to grow in wisdom. Right? He was a child like there was like, like any child, like we have our, our, our children's class in the morning. And there were things that he had to learn. There's Because uh, I like to get nerdy with some of the stuff that's in the Bible. There's, there's big debates around some of the topics, like when did Jesus know he was actually God? Did he know from the time that he was an infant? Did he know I'm going to grow up and be the Savior? Right? That's a lot to put on an eight-year-old. Right? You're going to be God. How would you feel if an angel came and said you're going to be God? terrified, right? Don't make her mad, right? Because that's, you never know what's going to happen. That's who Jesus was. And it says, even though he grew up, he was without sin. So there was something that was special about him. It's weird to think about God having to grow his character, like we talked about last week, right? Jesus grew up. It said he grew in stature, and we usually talk about that, him growing physically, taking care of himself. We take care of, we need to take care of our temples, the thing that God gave us. But we, last week, we talked about Jesus becoming a, a bigger person, how we have to grow and become a bigger person. That's what we tell kids when they're little and they get offended. Somebody picks on them, right? Look, you've got to be the bigger person. You need to, to, to be the one that overlooks an offense. And that's the second thing. That's what we looked at last week that we need to grow in. We need to grow in wisdom, not just reacting to situations, Right? We, we need to grow and, and, and get a better perspective on things, but we need to grow and become bigger people. We need to work out our character like we would work out our bodies or like we would work out trying to grow our business. We learned last week that we've got to grow our character. It just We don't want to just settle for, for who we have become up to this point. This week, we're going to talk about learning to grow in favor with God. And I'm really excited about it because I learned a ton this week. This lesson did not go where I thought it was going to go. When I began to look at the word favor, 
and favor with God, I thought I was going to be talking about, the passage I had picked out to talk about, was where it said where Moses was ta- communicated with God as one friend communicates to another. I thought that's what we are going to be talking about. But as I began to look and research that word favor, what I learned it actually means, it means grace. It's the word, and I don't do a lot of, uh, of Greek up here, and I'm not going to try to say it, but C-H-R-I-S. I am going to try to say it. I think it's pronounced charis. It's the word for grace. It means an unmerited favor is what it means, that you didn't do anything to deserve this. And so instead of talking about how I can become a better friend towards God, what we're actually going to be talking about this morning is how I can realize how much God loves me. That's what it means to grow in grace. That's what it means to grow in favor with God, is that I'm learning and I'm understanding and it's changing me as I realize how much God actually loves me, actually how much he's done for me. And so I'm really excited about this, right? A passage that if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably heard before is Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and far short of the glory of God. Our sin causes a gap between us and our Heavenly Father. It causes space that's there. It causes something that was pure to get kind of murky. Right? That's what sin does in our lives. It puts a gap between us and our Heavenly Father. But when this whole thing started, we were created, Adam and Eve were created without a gap. They were able to live in perfect harmony with God. They were able to live and communicate with him and there not be any sin separation there, no shame separation there, no hiding separation there. When this whole thing started, could you imagine what your life would be, how it would be differently if you didn't have any kind of shame? Or if you actually got to get up and go to work and really, really not care about how people felt about you? Not to play into that social game that was there? How much more confident would you be? But because of sin, a gap formed. I want to read this passage out of uh, of Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 6, it says this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Here's the next line. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Up until that point, there was no gap between them and God. It was at this moment something happened. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they, for the very first time, hid from him. They hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God's response, who told you that you, that you were naked? That gap was never there before. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? 
the man said, here's the first throwing somebody under the bus. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're going to be cursed above all livestock and all wild animals. Right? There was no gap before this happened. And so if we want to grow in grace, if we want to begin to recognize and to realize how much God loves us, if we want to be able to do something about the gap that exists there, the first thing that we have to do is we've got to get real about the fact that we have a gap. That there is something that keeps us from living to the potential that God has for us. There's something that prevents us from living our lives and becoming who God wants us to be. And it makes sense because we've said this before. I can't even be who I want to be. Right? I, want to, I, I want to lose a few pounds. I want to put on a few more pounds of muscle. Right? That's, that's, that's what I want. And I can't even do that. It's funny. I was um, Caleb... Uh, it's, it's amazing how much he is like me. And um, he was doing these things. He was on a, a bit of a self-improvement kick. And so he was um, um, getting up early and he was meditating. I don't know where that came from. But he was focusing on his breathing and clearing his mind because that was supposed to give you more energy throughout the day. And then in the evenings, he was taking ice or as cold showers as he could handle because it was supposed to help with muscle recovery as he was working out. He was going to give this a three-month experiment, is what he told me. About two weeks in, I asked him, so how's it going? Oh, I stopped that a long time. Right? We, we have these goals, and we can't live up to our own expectations for ourselves. There's a gap that's there. And so it just makes sense when our Heavenly Father has expectations for us, there's a gap between who he meant us to be, who we were created to be, and who we've actually become. The thing about God is he wants to fix the gap. Here's what he says in Isaiah 59. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Splash back on me. He said, there is absolutely a gap. Your heavenly father did not cause it. And his arm is not too short to save you from it. He wants to do something about it. But you've got to get real about the fact that you've got a gap. There's something that needs to be dealt with. That's splashed back a lot. I've got to, if I want to grow in grace, if I want to, to get closer to God... It's not because of anything that God needs to do. He's, we're gonna, as we're going to find out, he's doing it. We put that gap there. Has someone ever broken your trust before and then demanded that you forgive them? You're not really still upset about that, are you? You're not still really hanging on that. Your Heavenly Father doesn't treat you that way. What he asks is, we don't treat him that way. There is a gap that's there. I've got to get real about my gap. But here's the second thing. I've got to realize 
I can't fix that gap. I can't demand God forgives me. Now, we try to fix the gap. We put lots of things in the gap to try to fix it. Right? For some people, it puts substances, substances in the gap, whether it's pills or alcohol. We put something in there to numb the pain that we feel. Right? Maybe it's not pain that we're assuming is from God. Maybe it's the pain of disappointment that we feel when we can't live up to our own expectations, but we put things in that gap. Sometimes we put people in that gap, and we make somebody our and all and be all. And when they can't live up to those expectations, we walk away. We put things in that gap. Sometimes we put work in that gap. We try to find fulfillment. We try to find meaning and purpose through careers. We put that in there to try to satisfy the, the gap that we have. Sometimes good church people put religious activities in that gap. If I just read my Bible more, I'll feel closer to God, or God will love me, or I'll feel God's love more. If I just spend more time praying, I'll never miss church again. And we end up feeling like a one-sided relationship with God. I'm doing all these things for you, God, and I just don't feel, I just, I, I don't feel any love. I don't feel any compassion back from God. I feel like it's one-sided. We try to, do, we try to work ourselves into closing that gap. God says it doesn't work that way. In fact, there's a lot of the Old Testament that was given to us to explain that it doesn't work that way. It's called the law. God gave us a law not so we could close that gap, but so that we could realize that we would never be able to close that gap. Right? That's what he says in the, uh, that's what the, the, the argument that Paul makes in the book of Romans. But in John 1.17, it says this. It says, for the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus. Because we were not able to keep the law, because we were not able to work ourselves back into a right relationship with God, he gave us his son. Grace and truth. We're supposed to grow, imitating Jesus' example, in favor with God. We're supposed to grow in our understanding of how much God actually cares for us. I can't close that gap. Then here's the third thing. I have to accept the fact that everybody has a gap. Everybody has a gap, and because everybody has a gap, God looks at all of us the same. Now, we look around and we look at some people's gap, and they go, they got a huge gap. I'm a pretty good guy. I got a little gap. And we look around, and we make comparisons based off you and ourselves, or you and each other, and we think God assigns value that way. But look at this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, he says this, starting in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. 
About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one's hired us, they asked. He said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said this to the foreman, call all the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. With those who were hired first, excuse me, so when those who were hired first, they expected to receive more, right? Wouldn't you? I would. If I was one of the guys that was hired in the morning and I got to this point, I'm expecting eight, 10, 12 times what they made for the very argument that they're gonna make. I identify with the people who were hired in the morning. Here's what they say. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Me too. These who were hired last only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat all day. But he answered each one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the ones who were hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Here's what he's saying. Every one of these workers has a gap. Some had a big gap. Some had a little gap. The people that were hired in the morning thought they were better than the people that were hired in the afternoon. I have worked and worked and worked and did everything you asked me to do. I've slaved all day. I've been faithful. I didn't slack. I wasn't looking at my phone while I was working. I, was, I, was, I nailed it. And then you want to dishonor me? Because this guy that you hired in the afternoon, you gave him the same thing as me. You don't appreciate, right? I'm going, you don't appreciate the contribution that I made to your vineyard? And he's going, look, I don't compare gap size. I just don't. That's what you guys do. I look and see, gap, no gap, gap, no gap. And if you have a gap, and I put you to work, same reward. I'm not worried about the size of your gap. I'm worried about removing the gap. That's what I want to do. I don't even care. I'm not even interested in you shrinking the size of your gap. That's not what I'm about. I want to remove the gap so that we can have fellowship again. See, I think one of the reasons that we don't grow in grace and that we're going to talk about next week, especially towards other people, is because we think God looks at us the way we look at other people. Gap size. You got a big gap. You're obviously, God doesn't love you, right? Because how can he? You keep hurting me. I've got to accept that because everybody has a gap, God looks at us the same. But then the next thing, here's the next thing. 
I need to look at Jesus, if I want to grow in grace, I've got to continue to look at Jesus instead of gap size. Instead of my gap, instead of your gap. In 1 Timothy 2.5, he says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. See, we try to put all kinds of things inside that gap to make us feel better about ourselves. And God goes, no. There's only one thing that's going to fill that gap. There's only one thing that's going to push the sin away. There's only one thing that can repurify the water. He goes, that's my son. He goes, there's only one mediate. You're going to try to put work in there and people in there, and you're going to try to be a good a good. Christian, a good follower of Jesus, and you're going you're gonna to read your Bible and you're going to invite your friends, and as long as you're trying to earn your way back to me, there's a gap, and you're not going to grow in grace. But until you understand, you have a gap that you need to be real and honest about. You need to look around, excuse me, you need to stop trying to remove the gap yourself. You need to accept the fact that everybody has a gap. And you need to look to Jesus instead of the gap. Here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse we've looked at many times. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out with for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured your gap. Scorning its shame, the thing that causes us to feel shame. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the gap. And here's the last thing this morning. I need to experience God's forgiveness every day because he removed the gap. If I'm one of his and I've taken on Jesus, stop looking at your gap. He, he removed it. He dealt with it. And he's not worried about the size of your gap or anybody else's. In fact, your job, if you've had your gap removed, is to, one, to stop looking at yours, but to stop looking at each other's and just help them remove it, to help them take on Jesus. This is how you're going to grow in grace, because every day you're experiencing God's forgiveness for not shrinking, removing your gap. You don't have anything between you and God anymore if you're one of his. Here's what he says in John chapter 1, 5 to 10. This is the message that we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from 
all sin. The sins you committed yesterday, the sins you're going to commit this afternoon, the ones you're going to commit next week. You're purified from all sin if you're walking in the light. If we claim to be without sin, if we deny that we had a gap, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, if we confess the fact that even though that we're forgiven, even though our gap's been removed, we do our best to put a gap back there. We do our best to try to recreate the gap. That's what he's saying. He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. If we've claimed we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word's not in us. He says, look, if you want to grow in grace, be honest about the fact that you have a gap because as long as you're denying it, you're not going to make any progress. As long as you don't think that you have a fault, you can't fix the things that are there. He goes, you need to get real about your gap. After you get real about your gap, you need to realize that you can't do anything to fix it. You cannot work yourself into a right relationship with God. You need to accept that everybody has a gap, and because of that, he looks at everyone the same. And he says, if there's a place that you want to look, stop looking at gaps, yours and other people. Put your eyes on Jesus so that you can experience God's forgiveness every day. That's how you grow in grace. That's how you grow to feel that God really loves you when you continually are understanding more and 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 more about what God's really done for you and what he's going to continue to do for you. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't offer an opportunity to do that this morning. And so if you want to experience that forgiveness from your Heavenly Father, if you want to put yourself in a position to where you can receive his grace and not just shrink the gap that you have, but remove it. I want you to come forward while we sing our invitation song today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Dear Heavenly Father, this is one of those deals where we just need to learn to trust you. We trust what we can see, and what we can see is how much we fall short and how much the people that we're around fall short. And help us to realize that's, that that's not what you're looking at, God. You're not trying to see how much we fall short. Just that we do and that you can take care of that. Help us to put our trust in you that you want to remove it. And once you do, it's gone. Help us to grow, as Peter said, in the grace and knowledge of you. Because that's where we find freedom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.